Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston. Across from me is Mr. Charles Thompson. And joining us today, very special guest, Mr. Andrew Cooperwriter from Lexington, Kentucky, the owner of Brood Coffee Shop. How are you doing today, man? I mean, you know, I can't complain, right? I woke up and it was snow on the ground and now it's 60 degrees. So what's up with that? My family's up in Illinois. They said it was snowing. Yeah, we had snow on the ground. Yeah, it was like 65, 70 yesterday. Like I had to wear shorts and then I wake up this morning and I've got to like let my truck warm up to get the snow off of it. Yeah, my... Sounds terrible. It's it's awful. My family, (laughs) I come from a farm family and they've already planted everything. And my dad's like, I really hope it doesn't freeze tonight. That, That would be pretty bad. Pretty bad yeah, for no, the crops. It's, it's weird. It's weird weather, right? So we've got you on here because you're doing something that a, a lot of us have talked about doing. We've talked about how people should do it. We've called for business owners to do this kind of thing, and not so many of them have actually done it, which is defy tyrannical orders from the state. And this, and in this case, literally from the state. And so what I wanted to do was just have you give everyone a, a, a recap on how exactly this all transpired and just kind of let us know what's going on right now. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, November of last year, um, the governor here in Kentucky, Governor Bashir, who um, for, for the record is a Democrat, so people are aware. I know people think of Kentucky and they're like, oh, it's this super red state because 80% <laughs> of them voted for Trump, right? It's like, yeah, it was somehow we have a Democrat governor. It's so. weird how that happens. You had, uh, was it Matt Bevins? Bevins? Yeah, we had Matt yeah. Bevin before. In fact, Kentucky's only had three Republican governors in its entire history. Oh, wow. That is not yeah. something I would have imagined at all. I know. Uh, you can thank Clinton for that one when she said uh, um, she's going to take away the coal miners' jobs. Yeah. That's when the state really started flipping red. <laughs> so maybe a big, uh, you know, a lot of union people around there, I would assume. People that supporting the unions, maybe going Democrat. Um, not really. I mean, so in, in the mid, um, I think early two thousands, the clean coal act passed, um, which essentially was funny. It was proposed by a governor out of Wyoming who I believe is part of the Biden administration now, but, uh, or a Senator out of Wyoming, but, uh, he, um, he proposed this act that magically made it to where these, these coal fired power plants, they have to either use scrubbers or they could buy clean coal magically Wyoming is one of those places that has clean coal. So this Wyoming Senator that proposed the bill that got passed, it moved all the coal companies out of Kentucky into Wyoming, but yet coal still has some control on Kentucky. In fact, Kentucky's number one export right now is actually um, aerospace. Aerospace is our number one. Wow. And I'm sure that was just entirely coincidence that they made it where you had to buy something that Wyoming was already 
Right. Doing. And that was yeah. by accident. And then also, too, there was a deal in there about a coal severance package that they gave to Kentuckians to, like, you know, get you off coal because Eastern Kentucky has, like, no industry because it was all coal, right? And then they spent that on things like the Rupp Arena scoreboard or jerseys for this baseball team. And now we are at this point where the taxpayer is paying out like half a billion dollars to get internet to them. Wow. And, and, and because we signed this contract like four years ago, this is the kicker. Four years ago, we signed this contract, but like mid this year, because of course, government's terrible at everything, um, you know, Starlink will be available in these towns. So for like, they literally could have just given everybody the money to buy Starlink and it would have been like a 20th of the cost <laughs> and <laughs> it would be done sooner. You see, what you're bringing up is something that would have made more sense and would have been more uh, fiscally responsible. And that's where you're really going off the rails right now. I know. I'm, I'm yeah. a little crazy. But anyways, back you're to the story. You're not supposed to think clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, right? R- rational Andrew back at it again. But anyway, so... Um, the, the coffee shop there. So our governor and his lustrous knowledge, I mean, he's a lawyer, not a doctor, but he made um, as, as Dr. Stacks, who is our Dr. Fauci, but for the state uh, said under oath um, value-based decision. <laughs> uh, that's how they're making it. He said under oath, they're making value-based decision-making um, that uh, indoor dining need to close in Kentucky in November. And you know, I was, uh, there was this one coffee shop up Northern Kentucky that just kind of was like, ah, screw you. I'm staying open. But the guy he went to, he's from Canada. So I think he like went back to Canada, but left his shop open. So they couldn't find him to arrest him. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, uh, I left mine open and I wasn't like big and loud about it. I just kind of quietly was leaving it open. And then the health department walked in like four days after it was declared. And they're like, you got to close. And I was like, I don't, feel like it and so (laughs) (laughs) i didn't close and then the governor tried to like close me down and so they took me to court ended up being a civil court they took away my food license so the judge said i could remain open but i wasn't to serve or prepare food now at the time the order wrote here in kentucky was that you couldn't um eat inside a restaurant but event venues had a exemption you could eat inside of, of event venues at a capacity of 25 people. So I just called myself an event venue and then magically food trucks started showing up outside. <laughs> <laughs> so I was not serving or preparing the food and, but people could still eat it inside. And magically that food truck just started selling coffee. They hired my staff on, they borrowed all my equipment for the day, but they forgot cups. So people would come buy cups from me and then they'd go out and get free coffee from the I, truck. I hate it when that happens. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's an odd situation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, that started getting really embarrassing for the governor. So the health department called up my lawyer and was like, can he stop? <laughs> <laughs> and because they couldn't stop me, right. They, they couldn't find me in contempt of court. They tried to, and the judge was like, eh, no. Mm-mm. And so, um, what ended up happening was they said, well, how do we get him to stop? And my lawyer's like, well, he's an event venue. They're like, no, he isn't. He's a restaurant. And he goes, how can he be a restaurant? You took away his food license. So they had to give me back my food license. <laughs> so I would stop letting the food trucks come out. And so I drug that out until it was like two days before he was going to lift indoor dining. And I said, okay, fine. I'll take my food license back. So for like one day I'd be closed for indoor dining, which I mean, 
I so was. And <laughs> <laughs> super and close. No one came there at all. Yeah. Nobody came yeah, there. Santa yeah. was not doing photos with the kids that day. <laughs> Nothing like that. <laughs> okay. I said I want him to arrest Santa. So I dressed up as Santa for the day and did photos. Anyway. Nice. <laughs> that's a really good idea, by the way. If they would have arrested you in a in a Santa costume. I mean, that's actually a pretty pretty genius idea. And it would have made I mean, honestly. I think it would have been worth it to tell you the truth. You gotta understand <laughs> yeah. how these people work. I mean, they're politics, right? They care about three things: getting elected, getting elected to higher office, and getting reelected. That's it. <laughs> so when you keep that in mind and you do things like dress up like Santa Claus, they don't want to have you arrested because then they're the guy who arrested Santa Claus, <laughs> and that's yes. an attack ad for the rest of your life as a politician. So you said they took your your food your food service license away, and you, this was a health department inspection. Was right. this a was just a com do you feel like it was a completely random inspection? inspection that happened no no <laughs> okay all right no 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 they said it was time but they have to say that so they can only come in every six months which actually this one's coming up due which is going to be real interesting but <laughs> um they they got to come in every six months but you know and then also the abc came in and took away our license too now we currently still conserve beer but we actually have a hearing for that next week this has been going on for a while um you know we'll see what happens this will probably drag out for another year of them trying to take my ABC license from me and me fighting them to keep it. So, um, because that's all the state can do. The County health department was the one that we were actually in court with. And so what's interesting about my case though, is it became a civil case and they had to pay a $5,000 bond to get me to close, um, to, to serving for the judge to grant the emergency order. Right. And where that became a problem was when like a thousand other restaurants signed a petition saying if the governor didn't open on December, on, on December, uh, I believe it was 14th. So if he didn't renew the indoor dining band, um, if he did that, these thousand restaurants were going to open and you just do the math on that. And you realize the government doesn't have enough money to close them all down. They just didn't because the health department budgets are already set. So they couldn't go in and get more budgets and everything else. So it became quite a situation for him. So we basically trolled the governor into reopening indoor dining in mid-December. And on and when people are like, well, it was going to expire anyways, he wasn't going to renew it. First off, this guy has renewed the mass order for a year. Mm -hmm. Second off, yeah. he would renew it. Second off, the day he announced it was the record highest case count day in the state. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And so you tell me, he's like, no, we think it'll be okay. By the way, today's a record case count, but we're going to lift this indoor dining ban yeah. in two days, you know? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to cut in here and tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. You've heard us talk about them before. It's Charlie's favorite app, BetterHelp. You can go to betterhelp.com or you can download the app. BetterHelp is this great app that pairs you with a licensed therapist. So it's therapy over your phone. All right. If you are having a tough time getting by right now, maybe you're dealing with anxiety. Maybe you're just not as happy as you think you should be. Maybe you're not finding the meaning in life. You know, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Maybe you're not finding that meaning in your life that you think that you should be. If you're dealing with anxiety, with depression, with relationship problems, BetterHelp has got a licensed therapist for you. It's super simple. You just go to the website, betterhelp.com slash GML, and that's going to give you 10% off your first month, by the way. So you go to betterhelp.com slash GML, you make an account, they ask you some questions about yourself, some preferential questions, and they're going to pair you with a the therapist that they think will work best for you. 
If you don't want that therapist, that's fine. You just pick another one, okay? It's safe, it's secure, it's a way to actually talk to a therapist without having to go into the office much cheaper than going into the office, by the way. Listen, taking care of your brain, of your mental health, is super important. I don't know if you know this, but your brain controls everything that you do, okay? So maybe it would help you to be talking to someone about it. You can message through the app, you can do video call, you can do voice calls, all kinds of stuff with the BetterHelp app. So go get that app. Make sure you sign up through betterhelp.com GML to get that 10% off your first month. You tell them we said, hey. Most so, of it didn't make any sense. I mean, you saw a lot of restaurants, uh, you know, open uh, have tents and different things like that so they could have outdoor dining and all those different kinds of things. And it, it's just, um, you know, we have a business, but we, we work from home and have clients all over the place. So we didn't have like customers coming in. So we were, I guess, fortunate in that, but uh, honestly, unfortunate because it almost sounds kind of fun what you were doing. Although I bet, <laughs> well, I bet it wasn't that fun. It's fun and it's not fun. Right. So we got, right. you know, we, the week or two, three weeks where we're fighting, we get this huge influx in business. And we still have a large influx. I mean, our business is larger than it was before. But part of that is because, you know, when they came in to close us, they close us. We stay open. The indoor dining's bands done. Everyone thinks, all right, this troublesome guy who's trolling the governor, like after it left court and the indoor dining ban lifted, I did a video where I was outside the governor's mansion and I, and I hand delivered him two bags of coffee to be like, Hey, no hard feelings. Better luck next time. <laughs> so you're an expert it's, troller actually. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were okay. like, he, he literally trolls people for a living. That's what a lot of people <laughs> say I'm doing now. So, you know, I end up, um, uh, then being like, okay, well, if that's how he wants to play it, what's, what's pushed back a little bit more. And so what we ended up doing was uh, when the legislators came into session here in Kentucky, you have something called a citizen's impeachment. So you don't have a recall, but you can file articles of impeachment on uh, an elected official in the executive branch, and then they form a, uh, an impeachment committee. So I filed these articles of impeachment with uh, three other guys. One, in, one guy ended up backing out halfway through it, but um, with, with these three other guys, and all of us were unique because we all had been in court against the governor at some point about a different case. And so we filed these articles of impeachment and that forces the house here, the state house to form an impeachment committee. So now <laughs> he has to respond to my claims for why he needs impeached. He responds. We get to respond back to him. He's got to respond to us. Right. And so it becomes a debacle. Now our, our legislators controlled by Republicans, but regardless, they didn't impeach him. And, and that's just because they're kind of the, it was a kill committee. So the Republican party of Kentucky decided they want to keep the governor in there because he's good for fundraising. That's what hmm. they decided. The Republican party decided that. Yeah. He's good for fundraising because everybody loves an enemy. Right. I mean, how has, how has Cuba stayed communist for so long? They blame America for everything. Right. Unites the people behind one enemy that's never going away. So the idea is, is that, uh, you know, we'll unite the people behind hating Governor Bashir. It worked so well for us in 2020. We fundraised like out the wazoo. We're going to keep this going. So we'll form this impeachment committee and leave them in there. They didn't account for one thing. And that was me. They didn't account <laughs> for me having this platform out of nowhere because we stayed open. And, you know, our, I mean, we're a, co we're a local coffee shop that has like 20,000 followers on our Facebook page, right? Like that's a huge amount for 
a small local coffee shop. And, you know, and I think our Facebook is reaching like 250,000 a month. Like it's crazy high numbers. And so anyway, so we find out what they're doing and we start blowing the lid off that, which, so they don't impeach him. And in their um, report on impeachment, they actually said that he did break the constitution. Um, and, and to give you some idea of what our governor did, he like, you know, threatened to uh, prosecute people for going to church. And then uh, he only didn't because the people he threatened went to federal court and got an injunction against him saying they can't arrest him. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, that seems like a, a pretty blatant constitutional violation right there. I, mean, yeah, I feel but like apparently the Republican impeachment committee decided that uh, they couldn't impeach him for breaking the constitution. They did agree. He did. Um, but he, they couldn't because the last uh, several governors of Kentucky had also broken the constitution at some point. Um, because accidents happen now mm. to put that in perspective, to give you an example of what our last governor did that was constitutionally bad was the legislator had like given him a budget of like a hundred million for something. And he was like, I'm only gonna spend 90 million of it on it. And they're like, no, no, no. Or the AG who is now our governor, um, came in and said, no, you have to spend all hundred million. So he got in trouble for not spending all of his budget. That was his constitutional issue that happened. And is that part of the Kentucky governor, Constitution? So you have to spend the entire budget? Yeah, I mean, it's a check and balance, right? So the legislator has the ultimate power of the purse strings. So you have to spend your budget. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If it's been allocated for that, you have to spend it. That's what they found. Oh, gotcha. I would hate to actually save some money on that budget and not spend all of it. That's, that's dangerous <laughs> right? stuff right there. Listen, that's, you calm it just... down over there, okay? The Constitution says somehow no. <laughs> this is... I don't know. Which line that was where the where the founding fathers <laughs> or the state founders were like, thou shall not save money. But yeah. <laughs> apparently the Supreme Court of Kentucky um, interpreted it to mean that. <laughs> this Jesus is not something Lord. you would imagine to hear from Kentucky. I mean, when when you look on a national, you know, us not being from Kentucky, I when I think of Kentucky, I think of Rand Paul and Thomas Massey. That's what I think about when I think you of Kentucky. You should be thinking about Mitch McConnell a little bit more. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm, that, you're well, right. And you also have, uh, what's her name, who was a Young Americans for Liberty. Um, oh, yeah, they got the constitutional carry going. That's yeah. right. I can't remember. Savannah Maddox. Well, you got Savannah a couple, Maddox. right? So Yale's yeah. got one, two, three, four, five, though they just kicked out Decker today. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, they had five legislators that was theirs they all right they have a um senator southworth adrian southworth they have savannah maddox felicia rayborn uh matt lockett and decker who was a rand um office staff worker but she got taken off because she voted against school choice um and so they they read extra today actually wow okay well so that's something that yal actually did because she was going against school choice okay well I mean, it's, it sounds like they're they're sticking to some of their principles pretty good. We've been supporters of Yale for a long time. I think they do. Yeah. They do pretty good work. No, so, I think they do, too. I think they do, too. And, and and yeah, what they did there was it was, you know, I understand. I mean, I, word on the street was she wasn't even answering their calls. Um, so, you know, okay. that's just kind of word on the street. So um, <laughs> anyway, go, sorry. I know you're uh, like, why does he know all this? <laughs> no, no, it's OK. It's cool. Uh, um, I wanted to get a little bit of background info on you actually like what have you always been someone who wanted to be a business owner um is this your main 
thing that you do? Was this coffee shop like a side project, an add-on? Um, just a little bit of background on on you. We forgot to start with that. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, sorry. We'll have to, we'll return back to the impeachment story in a second because there's a little more to that. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Um, um, no, so, you know, I'm 28 years old and I went to high school. I didn't go to college, so before you get too excited, I am married. I have one son. He's nine. Um, I have been a business owner full time. Like that's what I do, uh, for like four years now. Um, my first real successful business was a commercial cleaning company. Uh, it did very well. Um, before COVID came out, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, and this is, you know, when people ask me, why'd you finally stand up and everything else? This is, this is always what I tell them is, is, you know, in January of 2019, my net worth, this wasn't how much money I had in the bank for you financially illiterate people. <laughs> my net worth was right around about 3 million, right? So I had a commercial cleaning company that was doing very well. Um, and I had a restaurant actually in Wilmore, Kentucky. And then COVID hit and my commercial cleaning company took a major hit because everything was closed. So there was nothing to clean. Everyone's like, you must have been doing well. I'm like, <laughs> nothing's open. <laughs> what am I cleaning? Everybody's not in the office. Like we were heavy into childcare, which was shut down for like four months. We we're heavy into a lot of things. And so, you know, that took a major hit. Um, we ended up having to close the restaurant out in Wilmore, but we kind of like made a deal on this coffee shop. And the deal was, so, so we were actually doing okay at the restaurant out in Wilmore um, during the shutdown, completely shut down. And the reason why is because Wilmore is a uh, uh, bedroom community. Have you ever heard that term before? Uh, I have, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I don't, know I, what it mean, I don't know what it means though, but yes, oh, I have heard that, that term It means that people before. live there. They don't work there. So I people live in Wilmore, but they like work in Lexington or they work in Nicholasville. Mm. Um, there's like no industry there, right? So Wilmore's a, a bedroom community. And so with that, there's only like two restaurants in town open for dinner and we were one of them now that didn't used to play for us because it's still a small town and people would pick up food on their way from work or what have you if they want to eat out or, or they meet out in lexington but when indoor dining was closed and they're not going to work they just ordered delivery from us constantly so we were actually doing much much better during the actual shutdown to one restaurant so we said okay we got this influx of money coming in from this one restaurant the cleaning company's tanking but you know we should get um, we got approved for an EIDL loan there for like 110,000. So we're like, oh, we should be fine there. You know, we can do this. So we signed the lease on the coffee shop, but the deal was that um, rent would not start until the indoor dining ban was lifted. So the gamble we were making was that all these coffee shops were closing, which they were because they were dealing with in person, out and about, right? And so there'd be an opening on the market. And which is kind of true, but none of us planned on them opening at 33% capacity. <laughs> and when they did that is what killed the restaurant out in Wilmore. Um, so in, in um, August of 2019, we closed that restaurant up because that restaurant was very small. It only had 10 tables. So at 33% capacity, I could only serve like three tables of people. There were times where literally I was serving three people at lunch and then having to turn away 20 more because these three people were at tables already. Yeah, what people don't really realize about restaurants or coffee shops or anything like that, I mean, you've got to, you really need to have a packed house. Like, it's hard enough when you have a business like that to turn a profit when you've got 50%, 75 or the whole place full. But when you actually do these 25%, 33% openings, 
it's it's almost like you don't even there's no point in even being open which yeah, is you're losing money which is maybe right. part of right, the plan right. which there you also. know you're losing money and and you got troubles there but also at the same time too i mean the government communication was so terrible they would announce like two days beforehand okay we're cutting down in 33 percent or two days beforehand okay we're closing the indoor dining and these restaurants are like whoa i got food for the next week or two that i already in my fridges that i already paid for that now is going to go spoiled you know um and and that's part of the problem too like like the it was very clear nobody from the restaurant industry has been in the room as they're making these decisions i mean just simple considerations would have caused a lot more compliance but anyways besides that or a lot at least a lot more restaurants being able to stay open but anyway, so they did this 33% capacity that hurt the restaurant out. And one more close. Now, going back to the cleaning company at $110,000 EIDL loan. Well, they deny after they proved it. And I go, okay, go ahead. Give me the money. They go, oh, no, we couldn't verify information. And I said, well, what's the verified information? They're like, I don't know. You just got to email this and send this in with all this information. And, uh, you know, you'll hear back from us. Well, guys, it's been a year and I haven't heard back. Um, <laughs> just want everybody to know. So, you know, the commercial clean company, we actually had to close, reorganize and reopen in order because, you know, we had the bills of a company that was doing much more than it was. It was it went from doing 90,000 a month to 5,000 a month. And so the week before they closed indoor dining and I stood up, I went for, so remember in January, I was worth 3 million. I went to being approved, qualified and receiving food stamps. Wow. What? And all that from government shutdowns. I can't imagine what type of feelings you would be feeling going through something like that. I mean, was it mostly anger? Was it mostly stress or did the anger cover up all of that? I mean, what was that like I mean, going through that? Listen, you know, it's a lot of anger, stress, you know, you're trying to find hope. I mean, you know, I, before I got into business, I was big into sales. I, I was, I'm, you know, direct sales, you know, door to door sales, in person sales, over the phone sales. And uh, Zig Ziglar has a saying, he's, he's a sales guru, but Zig Ziglar has a saying that says, you know, the, the secret to happiness is hope. And when you have the government doing these things, you lose your hope. And not only that, but people don't understand, you know, business owners, first off, we are the embodiment of the American dream. The idea that a 28-year-old high school student can work really hard for three, four years, sacrifice a lot, sacrificing his kids, his wife, uh, sleepless nights, stays on end, paid others instead of paying himself to be able to achieve a level of success um, that he then one day can also pass on to his children, right? That's That's the American dream. And so when you see that being ripped away and you got to look at your kid and your wife who at this time, by the way, she had quit her job like a year prior, two years prior to, to work with us. So both me and my wife work in the companies. Um, and you're looking at your kid who there's been plenty of nights where you couldn't go to things. You couldn't see him, everything else, you know, it's, it just suddenly becomes very clear that I can't just give it out without saying, without fighting for it. And it was very clear to me I was going to lose and not be able to bring myself back if I closed indoor dining. So you, uh, I mean, you took a you took a big chance going through this 
whole stand right here and and it wasn't I, really a chance i was gonna lose it anyway yeah, the mean, chance was i'd go to jail you were right? forced I mean, into it <laughs> i was forced into it the chance was i was gonna go to jail but when you look at it and you say lose everything i've worked years and years and years for and on top of that give up my future and my son's future or run the risk of going to jail which are you gonna choose yeah, i mean you just that's uh, really your only option at that point i mean right. I, this is all can you believe that we're having this conversation in in America, I mean, I don't no. mean to be like Mer America or anything, but in America, we're having this conversation. It's crazy. Listen, if you don't wear a face mask into Walmart right now in Kentucky, you are acting out uh, a civil disobedience, a type of protest. We live in America. We're not wearing a face mask inside of Walmart is a form of protest right now. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's... It, it's tough to actually accept that this has all happened in just a, such a short amount of time. And, and I guess it didn't really all happen over such a short amount of time. All of these laws built up on each other, like the fact that you had to get a license to operate your business in the first place. I mean, right. you could, someone who was just fear mongering and who hates the government could have been talking about how, well, this is really dangerous because someday the government will just be able to stop you from operating your business just on a whim if you make it to where people have to get licenses and then that someday happened last year right well they they only give you a license to take it away right yeah I mean, there's no other reasons to give you one <laughs> um, yeah, it's not like how does it benefit the business owner it doesn't no in <laughs> no all. way shape or form i mean they're going to pretend it somehow benefits the consumer yeah somehow. yeah that's not i mean how many people actually care whether or not a business has a license to do what they're doing? <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, in New York, you got to have a license to walk dogs. What? Yeah, you got to have a license to walk dogs in New York. Well, that is a very tough profession. I guess I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. like random licenses for all kinds of things. And it's kind of like, you know, there's certain things, don't get me wrong, there's certain things I'm like, you know, okay, they can get a license. But there's also private entities that can issue those licenses, like medical licenses and things like that, right? That aren't necessarily government controlled. Um, but then there's some things like, do you really need a coffee shop to have a license? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that we've talked a lot about how there should be more private licensing, that there should be more, obviously, private businesses taking care of all of this, which what is a private business these days? Do those actually even exist? I'm, I'm not really sure. But um, that that it, if you did that, there would actually be a brand name behind the license that you were getting. And sure. that the government's not a great brand name. It doesn't really mean anything. It means you had the money to pay a fee to get the license. That's that's pretty much what it means. But if you had a an actual private company putting their name behind someone and licensing them, well, that could actually mean something, which, right. which no, could actually definitely. benefit the consumer. Right, right. And they've, they've got a profit incentive to do a better job. I mean, the health department comes in twice a year every six months. Do you really think that's stopping you from getting E. coli from my restaurant? Or do you think the fact that I don't want you throwing up after you come to my restaurant is why you're not getting E. coli? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Not only that, but especially in this day and age when you have reviews and you know people can leave reviews on Google or tell their friends much more easily than they used to be able to. There's right. no, there's I mean, no need know, for it. Well, the internet solved a lot of problems. I mean, you know, the internet solved, like, for an example, labor laws. The internet literally made it to where labor laws are the most useless thing on the planet. 
because the whole entire point why labor laws existed was because it was hard to find a job, which gave the employer a little bit of monopoly, especially in small towns or things like that. Right. But I can find a job in California right now. Like I can find a job in Texas. I want, who would want to go to California? I can find a job. <laughs> <laughs> I can find a job in Texas. I can find a job in Thailand right now. Right. I mean, you know, if I don't like what you're paying me, I can find 20 other places to pay me. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, and one thing that's that I'm trying to realize that I wish people would realize is that the people back to your coffee shop here, the people that went there or that go there while it was maybe supposed to be locked down, they were well aware as to whether or not you were following what the restrictions were, or whether or not people had masks on while they were in there. And can we not freely make those decisions anymore? Now, listen, I literally went into people's homes and I dragged them out, <laughs> yeah, out yeah. kicking and screaming, and I forced my coffee down their coughing throat. In, coughing in their face the whole time. I know, coughing <laughs> yeah. in their face the whole time. And I heard while I left, I literally killed their grandmother. So, yeah. you, know, you know, so there you go. I mean, that's... Hey, but that's the free market for you. Right, right. I mean, that's the free market. Sometimes grandma dies. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's so preposterous too. When we think about that for like five seconds, like, listen, you need to close your business because that guy might come in and this other guy might come in. And somehow those two guys at that moment in time might, one of them might have a disease and they might infect that other guy. And then that other guy might be infected not knowing and then he might go visit his grandmother while not wearing a mask or trying to be safe and then his grandmother may die yeah i feel Therefore, like you get to close your coffee shop i feel like that's always been the case you know right right i know right and and <laughs> i'm like literally i'm like guys what what are we doing here i i remember you know i'm being interviewed and they're like well what do you say about when they're like oh we can go to the supermarket i'm like does instacart not exist in your town like yeah <laughs> you know i can understand these small towns rural towns that might be an issue but like you can literally like not leave your home it's 2020 at the time i would always respond be like i believe it's 2020 and we live in lexington kentucky if you don't want to leave your home you don't have to <laughs> yeah i mean uh, and and thanks to the free market, that is actually something that we can say or right. whatever free, whatever market it is that we actually have here. But I mean, I, I listen, want... it's free for some yeah, and then it's not for others. So, for example, it's moderately free for a coffee shop. However, when we get into like airlines, <laughs> convince me that's a private company. <laughs> No, like you know, like all but one airport in this country is owned by the government. Convince me, airlines. You know, a part of our road fund here in Kentucky goes to paving tarmac for these airports. Convince me, an airline's a private company. <laughs> well, that's enough. I mean, also, what I wanted to know is, did the did the did the Walmart in Lexington did they shut down? Did did the Home Depot shut down? You know, um, well, not only did they not shut down, the strip club didn't shut down. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then also this, this one you're going to love, right? The casino. So we don't have legal gambling here in Kentucky. We have something called historic horse racing, which is just a fancy loophole for slot machines. And when you look at the history of how they did this, so the horse tracks basically put in slot machines when it was illegal and said, arrest us for it <laughs> nice. and and so what happened was 10 years of litigation happened all while these slot machines are still operating getting the government so hooked 
on the income off the slot machines they were making the tax dollars that when the Supreme Court last year finally said, no, this is slot machines. This is not horse racing. It put the legislator in a position where they had to pass a law to allow historic horse racing, which is nothing more than a slot machine. Wow. <laughs> so anyways, they left those open, you know, and they left them open. You just got to bribe the government. That's all you need right, to do. <laughs> that's what it is. They left them open. And, and this is what I said. I said this in interviews all the time. I said, why did they leave them open? One, there's a lot of gray out on the slots. It's not exactly like COVID demographic for danger and slot machine demographic are really similar. Like there's a lot of overlay there, right? <laughs> there's a lot of gray out there. And so I'm like, why they leave it open? Well, simply put, the state couldn't afford to close them. They couldn't operate. I said, the governor's making decisions about who lives and dies based upon what the state can afford to operate under. Why can't I do the same thing and decide to continue to operate because my family needs that money to survive? He's deciding to leave these slot machines open for the state to survive. I'm trying to just make the same decision, but for my family. And, you know, nobody had a good answer for that either. I mean, and that was an, a, a hard point too. I mean, you can't keep closing down indoor dining while you leave open slot machines and casinos and strip clubs. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't work. No. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> talking about all this, it sounds like you're a pretty libertarian guy. Do you have a specific political leaning or just kind of yeah, stay away so, from that? Actually, so funny enough, Oh, funny enough. <laughs> so I was actually involved in the Libertarian Party before this all started, right? Um, and then I'm kind of a reformed libertarian. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a liberty Republican. What do I mean by that? Well, and by reformed libertarian, what I mean is so first in Kentucky, you have to understand we are a straight ticket voting state. That means you can walk into the the ballot box, you can hit R, you can hit D, and you can walk out and not have to work your way down the ballot. That's the first thing. Okay. Um, the other thing is, is that the, you know, and, and I don't know how people feel about it. I got my own feelings and everything else, but the state of Kentucky has, is one of those states that the, that the Mises caucus has really kind of grabbed a hold of. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in my moment where I have my back up against the wall, I'm facing off against the government, the libertarian party of Kentucky's nowhere to be seen. Right. They kind of helped a little bit, but not really. Who was there? All these Liberty Republican groups that come along helping me out. You know, they're helping me stay open. They're they're helping fundraise to pay legal bills. Right. They're they're actively when, you know, when the health department came and, and everybody came to shut me down, the Liberty Republicans were the ones who were there, not the Libertarians. And then, you know, to throw insult into injury when I was talking about the impeachment petition. Um, you know, remember I said there was a person who backed out of the impeachment petition. Mm -hmm. Now, going back to that, the reason why is because in Kentucky and right now we're in federal court in a case called Cooperator v. Bashir about this, um, you can tax the people who brought the petition for impeachment the cost of the hearing. So they taxed us the governor's cost of lawyers, the lawyers for the impeachment committee, the KSP providing security to the impeachment committee, all these things. Remember, these are all, this is already a function of government that taxpayer dollars pay for. And so they taxed us the cost, but remember under our first amendment, we have a right to redress, to petition our government for redress. What is a impeachment petition, but in a petition to our government for redress. So they, they passed a cost bill onto us for $42,000. 
Okay. And so that is, is now hung up in federal court because we filed in federal court saying that goes against our First Amendment rights. So somehow while the governor was under investigation for breaking First Amendment rights, he managed to break First Amendment rights. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's such a disincentive for people. Obviously, a disincentive put in place for people to right. do what you're doing. Well, and it's a, right. way, and it's a way to put you in jail because if you don't pay the fine, <laughs> right, well, right, then you right. go to jail. It's, it's how dare you challenge us, right? Yeah. Mm. And so... But one of the people backed out of that worried about the cost bill and did so with a very kind of, see, I hate to go into these things too, because I, I try to keep it out of it, but you know, it's interesting. Um, he did so with a very public statement that he mailed into the governor. Well, his lawyer did, he claimed, but whatever. And then into the, the impeachment petition, basically saying, yeah, the governor broke the constitution. I don't think he should be impeached for it. Uh, I'm very sorry I ever brought this impeachment petition on. Please let me out. Right. And it was a level of, of, it was uh, some sycophany done simply because they are trying to avoid that cost bill. Right. And I understand 100% where he's coming from. However, you know, one would say that, you know, the party of principles should be led by individuals who at no point falter in their principles. And at least the leaders of which should be able to stand for their beliefs, even at great costs. Well, the individual who backed out of the impeachment petition went on and is now the state chair of the Libertarian Party of Kentucky. Wow. So they voted him in after that. Knowing he did that, knowing he literally said the governor can break the Constitution as long as it's in good faith. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Libertarian Party has really ignored... A I mean, I don't want to call it an opportunity, but it's a time where they should have been speaking up, but I, they have not been very strong on being against well, the lockdowns at all. I mean, well, like. let's be honest, though. It's just simply because they don't know where they stand, right? I mean, the Libertarian Party doesn't know where it stands on an issue. One state feels this way. The next state feels this way. That state feels that way. That district feels this way. That district feels this way. There's no... Because it's nothing but a catch-all for all these different beliefs. And, and the bottom line is, and this is why I discovered very quickly, and this is why I went back to being a Republican. When they did that, I quickly realized a party doesn't matter. The people in the party don't matter as much as the platform does. And I looked at the... And honestly, I agree with the Republican Party platform more than I agree with the Libertarian Party platform. I do. And so when you realize that now the whole reason why I'd left the Republican party is because I was like, well, they're not doing anything. Right. That's why a lot of Republicans leave it for the Libertarian party. What I realized is, is what's to stop the Libertarian party from doing the same exact thing. If people do not hold individuals accountable in the party, then it doesn't matter what they say or the platform, they will fail you anyways. And so my point behind that is why leave the Republican party? If I agree more with the platform, for this other party that I don't think is going to be the magic bullet fix, because who's to say it doesn't falter the same way the Democrats and Republicans do the minute it gets into power. And so I'd rather try to hold the Republican party accountable to its platform that I agree with. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're just, you know, you're talking to two guys who uh, are libertarians, but small L I used to be a member of the party. And I also uh, let that lapse. I didn't want to be a member of the party anymore and we actually talk all the time about how people who are libertarians or identify that way need need to uh, get behind liberty republicans we need to focus on actually winning some elections and actually affecting some change um i i think it would be great if we had a whole country full of rand pauls right now and then we could focus right. on making that better 
you know right and 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 see and here's you know you got to go to like sometimes i feel like libertarians want it to be this way and that maybe should be how it is but that's not how it actually works so you know for an example for anybody who doesn't know this to understand state legislator in order for a libertarian party to make a difference in state legislator they have to get 10 to 15 legislators in there they can't just get one because of the way the system works you have to get 10 to 15 um, because they'll just shelve your bills and everything else. You can't do anything as a libertarian. Um, and so, and that's part of the problem. And then on top of that, and, and, and worse than that, they treat, you know, the, the big L libertarians treat the Liberty Republicans like garbage most of the time, right? They like treat their, them their worse status, than just people. Your, just your normal status. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> and they, and they sit there and they say, and they sit there and they look you with, with dead eyed and say, ah, oh, the Republican Party and the Republican Party of uh, the Republican Party and Democrat Party are just the same party, two heads of different coin. They're just as equally terrible. And I go, that is patently false, and I can tell you why. Ron Paul ran as a Republican. Mm-hmm. Rand Paul is a Republican. Thomas Massey's a Republican. Amash was a Republican. Every single libertarian uh, legislator that all these libertarians love that then say that were Republicans. None of them were Democrats. <laughs> it is quite clearly that the Republican Party is not the same as the Democrat Party. It is. I agree. It's got its issues, right? I'm not saying it doesn't, but there's a reason why every libertarian legislator that changes parties and wins or whatever you want to call it, it's to the Republican Party. And here's, here's why. Honestly, the Republican Party is different than the Democrat Party. Yes, they both don't do things, but the Republicans know better. That's why you can hold them accountable for it. The Democrats don't even know better. You can't even attack them for, for not holding up liberty, you know? Well, they don't have the baseline philosophy of individual liberty. Democrats don't. They don't, they don't have a baseline of talking about the Constitution and caring about the Founding Fathers and, the, and these individual liberty ideas. And so while, I mean, obviously we, we talk about Republicans on here all the time, but Republicans at least talk about that, which means when you call people out on this, you actually do have, you have a moment where they could say, oh, yeah. You're you're right. Yeah. Well, you know, go back to my impeachment story, right? So I said they didn't want to impeach him because they want to fundraise against him, right? So I said they didn't account for me. Well, what happened? Well, word on the street is as I came out, I caught wind of that. I started telling people this is what they're doing. I'm going onto my platform telling people, stop giving to the party, give to candidates. The party's trying to control people, everything else. They want to fundraise off your misery. Don't give money to them. Support only the candidates. So that way we can get candidates in there that do n- are not controlled by the party. Right. Upon me saying that, I'm told the Republican Party of Kentucky has lost millions in donations. Millions. Nice. And the only reason why that's possible is because the people in the Republican Party want liberty done. If 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 I couldn't do that to the Democrat Party, they'd be like, Yeah, they shouldn't impeach him. <laughs> what are <laughs> right. you talking about? Yeah, you know? Right. So well, I mean, and that's the thing. You ask most people, most people want liberty. And, and they're not really, these types of stories don't really get out there very often. You know, these, these kind of stories aren't really portrayed by the media. So most of your everyday folk, uh, aren't privy to this kind of information. I think if they knew about it, like you have made people aware, then they take action and that's exactly what they've done. It seems like. 
Well, you know, you take what our governor is doing right now. So our governor right now is doing a backdoor vaccine mandate that we've been fighting against. Okay. So our governor said, so he's got right now in Kentucky, you got a capacity restriction of 60%, but you still have the six foot rule in place. So, you know, you got to take away one of the two, right? Um, you got to take away both of them. I mean, just increasing capacity doesn't help. You have a curfew in place. You cannot serve beer or food past midnight right now in Kentucky. That's when the virus you, gets really de- deadly. Yeah. It's worse listen, after that. It yeah. knows, right? Yeah. It's like, you, what are you doing out past midnight? <laughs> you want to kill grandma? Get home. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we have a mass mandate in place. We have a group gathering mandate restrictions in place. Um, we've got, we've got, uh, event venues above a thousand can only have a 50% capacity, you know, so on and so forth. Right. My point of saying that and bringing that up is our governor came out a week ago and said, now, listen, I'll lift all those mandates are than the mass mandate. If 900,000 more Kentuckians get vaccinated. That's a lot now, of people. That sounds a lot like a vaccine. Yeah. That's 2.5 million Kentuckians. There's only 3 million above the age of 18 in Kentucky. But wow, and um, I don't think he's gonna hit it. But anyways, <laughs> um, but you know, I he called me crazy. But if you say I'm not gonna let you drink past midnight unless you all get vaccinated, that sounds a lot like a vaccine mandate to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, people want to be like, "There's no vaccine mandate." I'm like. <laughs> Listen, if I shut 10 people in a room and I say seven of y'all got to get vaccinated, I don't care which seven. I guess technically I didn't mandate you specifically get the vaccine. I just said seven of you have to. Or you can't leave the room. Or you can't leave the room. None of y'all can leave the room until seven of you decide to get vaccinated. Well, yeah, we saw that play out live on CNN. We created a video from this where the, you know, the, this doctor was saying, you can't get people their freedom back until they get the vaccine. Like, right. I mean what? that exact. And that's what he's literally saying. Yep. He's literally saying if, if these people get back. So what that doing though, is it's causing people who have been vaccinated to be like, cause a lot of them think to themselves, they're like, Oh, hold on a second here. Why? If, if they don't want to get vaccinated, why is that such a big deal? Right. I mean, people can get vaccinated. want to get vaccinated. People that don't, don't. And then they're upset that they don't, they aren't getting their freedoms back. When they did what they were asked to do. So then they, they, then they get to turn the social pressures on. Only it's, it's kind of back. It's, it's flying back in his face. When you sit there and you say, you know, in the state of Kentucky under the age of 30, according to the CDC numbers, because they only count confirmed cases, the state, our state counts probable. There's only been three deaths under 30 in our entire state. Entire state. So when you're looking at people under 30 in our state, you're like, get vaccinated. They're like, no, why would I do (laughs) that? Like, I I believe according to VAERS, last time we checked more by one, if if we're seeing the data properly, it's really hard to read their data. Four people under the age of 30 have died from being vaccinated right now. More people have died from the vaccine under 30 in Kentucky than COVID has killed. And you're like, why won't you guys get vaccinated? I don't get it. (laughs) And the whole point is, I mean, what you're saying is this is essentially a vaccine mandate when they turn on these pressures and say you can't you can't do anything if you're not vaccinated. Of course, they haven't signed the law saying Listen, that everyone if, has if, to get vaccinated. If a step of you fighting a deadly pandemic is hiring a graphic artist, mm-hmm. 
the, the pandemic isn't that deadly. <laughs> if you need somebody to graphic artist design some sort of cool, go get vaccinated logo. <laughs> I don't think you're fighting as deadly of a pandemic as you think it is. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to convince people to go get the vaccine. I know. And, and you know, I remember too, they said, listen to the experts. And now they're trotting out some guy that was in a movie I like sometime to be like, you should get vaccinated. I'm like, you're not an expert. Why am I listening to you? <laughs> Uh, so you got? Are you guys going to be doing? Has he said anything about the vaccine passports or anything? Any so word so on that? he said he said the other day he said um, I'm trying to get his words right. He said uh, yes. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> no. What, what he said was is um, I'm encouraging businesses, especially those who would benefit from these lifted mandates, to incentivize their customers and employees to get vaccinated. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I don't know. One could say that sounds like a vaccine passport. Might be a stretch. But, you know, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, they were giving out weed for vaccines in New York <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. We, no, I did not see that. It was that, called but... Joints for Jabs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good idea, honestly. I'm I know, kind of, right? Uh, yeah. I made a joke saying they're going to start giving out two-by-fours in Kentucky. <laughs> i just uh, the whole vaccine passport thing is going to be pretty pretty weird what our position on it has been and we've got maybe one of the annoying positions on it where i realize that we do not have a private market anymore the only thing we've said is if there is no government involvement whatsoever and we've said no incentives no penalties no anything involvement whatsoever. Now realize that qualification is not going to be met. There's going to be some type of incentive, some kind of penalty. Right. If there is no government involvement whatsoever, then I think y- you should be able to ask people whether or not they're vaccinated. But I, 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 You know, I, I completely 100% agree with you. So this is how I've said it, right? I've said, first, answer me this. Do you have a greater profit incentive to do whatever the government asks you to do? Not mandates you do, but airlines have a greater incentive to the government than they do their customers for a couple of reasons. First, they work hand in hand with the government all day long. Second, they've been bailed out by the government. I don't even know how many times. (laughs) So it's not exactly like they're worried about going out of business. The government will step in and save them, right? Third, the airline industry uses government regulation to choke out competition. So I don't know if you've heard of like the story of like Southwest. Southwest almost didn't become an airline. They had to sell two planes out of their four at one point very early on just to pay their legal fees from their competitors suing them and trying to force government regulation onto them. So the airlines is a perfect example of an industry that is filled with government that government is used to lock out competitors and therefore requiring a vaccine doesn't, the free market doesn't have an opportunity to provide you a solution of some airline coming along and saying, no, you don't have to get vaccinated. Now, if you talk about coffee shops, restaurants, sure. Starting a restaurant is relatively inexpensive when you consider the big, you know, compared to an airline, you know, (laughs) you know, you can, you can start a restaurant for 20, 30 grand, depending on where it's at. Right. And so, you know, there will be a, even if every single restaurant in town requires a vaccine, there will be a restaurant that comes along and doesn't just to capture those people. So to your point, yeah, I agree with you that if it's truly a private business that doesn't have a monopoly on the market that's government enforced, them requiring a vaccine is fine within their rights and not the end of the world. If you have a business on the other hand that has monopolies enforced, especially by the government or just through, um, 
you know, their stranglehold monopolistic type practices, like you see sometimes with Walmart and things like that. Um, you know, I, I've got some issues with it. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty much the same way. Um, did we get through the impeach? Did we cover all the impeachment stuff? Is there more? Well, stuff you know, we went to impeach, they said no. And then, you know, they put on that cost bill. And so now we're suing them in federal court. The governor tried to be like, no, I promise I won't enforce. And like the judge was like, come on now. <laughs> um, you know, and then you've got some other things going on, you know, crazy in Kentucky too. You've got the legislature having passed laws saying the governor can't uh, make any more mandates, shutdowns, things like that. One random judge in Franklin Circuit Court has injunctified the law. It's like a weird situation that makes no legal sense. There's no precedent here. And then you've got this other judge in Scott County that two, three restaurants went to and said, hey, you know, stop him from being able to enforce against us. And that Scott County judge is like, yeah, no, those laws that the legislature passed are completely in effect. You're not a party to this case going on in Franklin County. The governor cannot come in and enforce their mandates against you. But then the Supreme Court of Kentucky picked up both those. But now there's another case up in Boone County. It's really weird. Yeah. Pretty much the governor's making mandates and we have no idea if he was to actually enforce those mandates onto you to a point where you end up in court, whether or not they would actually be legal. Hmm. Sounds like something that needs to go up to the Supreme Court. <laughs> we need well, the, the problem, I'm waiting on a blanket. I need, we need some kind of case that will just kind of stand down a lot of these states, it well, seems like. Your problem is, is most of these issues are built upon governor's emergency powers, which are built up by the state legislators. And so, you know, we in Kentucky, Kentucky's been a very Democrat state for a long time. And for those who are unaware, the way the courts work is, is it is not in your... So take this Judge Shepard. He's been on the bench 16 years right? Coming up in 23. He's only had to run for re-election one time because it's an eight-year term. And when he went to run for re-election, nobody challenged him. You know why? Because the requirement to run for a circuit county judge is eight years of practicing law and having lived in that area for four. If you've lived in the area for four years and have practiced law for eight, chances are you have a pretty good sized practice built up. So, you know, even taking a judgeship is going to be a pay cut. But more importantly, if you lose for the next eight years, you have to go in front of that judge that <laughs> you just drag through the mud in your legal practice. So what incentive for you as a lawyer is there to go up against a sitting judge who's running for reelection? There's none. And so we end up with a very liberal court here in Kentucky that um, despite their actual ruling that they previously have had on these issues, saying that the legislators, the whole reason the governor can do all this because the legislators allowed him to do it, they make laws saying, okay, fine, we're fixing all that. And now the courts are like, well, hold on. Let's not be hasty. <laughs> and so, you know. Wow. I, I keep, I'm not surprised. I keep hearing you say that Kentucky is a very Democrat state, and it blows my mind every single time. This has completely ruined my view of Kentucky now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it, there's a fun map that you can watch where you can see like presidential elections and you'll see up until, um, I think Obama, it was blue. Hmm. Like it went for Bill Clinton and I think it went against George Bush at least one time. Huh? Yeah. Well, so, you know, I'm going to have to do some research then, but the, they've yeah. been doing the the Kentucky Republicans have been doing some good media on me because they've got me convinced. 
<laughs> well, you know, you've got, and that's the thing too. So Kentucky is completely ruled by Mitch McConnell, right? We call them the McConnellites here in Kentucky. <laughs> so you've got McConnellites, which is like the swampy establishment. And then you got the Liberty Republicans and, you know, they're kind of going head to head here, you know, and, um, you know, McConnell's getting old, the turtle's losing its shell. And so at some <laughs> point, uh, um, at some point here re- soon, you're going to see some sh- sort of power shift. I mean, the, the Kentucky legislator, which is, you know, Republican supermajority passed a law this year, which it probably won't hold up in court because it does sound unconstitutional as heck, but they passed their law this year, taking away the governor's ability to appoint a Senator if they die or step down and handing it off to the, the way they wrote it was the person's party gets to pick three candidates for that. And then the governor picks from those three candidates, which is why I think it won't hold up because it never accounts for like, if somebody's an independent or something, which is a crazy, it's probably not going to happen in independent, but if an independent wins Senator, they have no party to pick one of the three. So that I don't mm. think that law holds up, but yeah. they bothered to take the time to change the law, which, and, and this current governor's out in 23. So what that tells me is that within the next two years, I think McConnell either dies or steps down. Yeah. They, they know something. For sure. Right. I mean, I've heard that from multiple people that McConnell wants to step down. Um, and part of the reason why they wanted to leave Bashir in there, this is what I heard. Part of the reason why they want to leave Bashir in there and they wouldn't impeach him was because um, they wanted whoever runs as a Republican in 23, everybody's pretty much betting wins the governorship or yeah. run, win, run, sorry, against Bashir in 23 wins the governorship from the Republican side. Like everybody hates the guy. And so um, he only won by 5,000 votes in his governor election, right? Mm -hmm. So like when people talk about voter fraud and things like that, um, though, you know, I have my own opinions about the presidential election that I won't say out loud, but, (laughs) you know, I think when you see issues like in Georgia where they're like, oh, we just found 5,000 votes out of any nowhere. And people are like, that's no big deal. I'm like, that's like how much our governor won by here in Kentucky. Like, that's a big problem. <laughs> well, and what when you talk about voter integrity and all that, people do think on the wide scale, was there enough voter fraud to change the presidential election? Eh, I don't know. Is it possible? I, yeah. Was there? Probably not. I don't know. Um, but was there enough? I care about enough? the races where one vote decided exactly. them here that's in Kentucky. The, that's the thing. Like, there are so many elections that come down to five votes or a hundred votes where it doesn't take this widespread voter fraud to affect the whole country. You just need a, a few votes every, every once in a while to mm-hmm. change the yeah. outcomes of the election. You know, people don't understand that, though. That's why people think it's a good idea if people can just vote online. I'm like, do you understand how important it is what street you live on? <laughs> like, I'm like, your ballot is completely determined by, like, if you live on this street or that street, you know, your city council choice, your your county commissioner choice, your your, you know, house rep, your state Senate rep, your state house rep, your federal house rep, your federal Senate, you know what I mean? Well, federal Senate is whole state, but you, you know what I mean? Um, the point is, is, uh, you know, people almost forget that there's elections outside of the presidential election. Yeah. That's and true. they actually matter more. <laughs> they do. Um, so before we end here, I want to make sure that uh, you were saying earlier that you guys sell some sell some good merch on there i was looking earlier some stuff looks good so i want to make sure that we're doing whatever we can to help support you guys i don't know if uh you know it sounds like you're the sounds like the governor is going to make sure everything's as expensive as possible on on y'all as well so just kind of tell everyone where they need to go to follow you to support to to do any of that stuff yeah sure so uh you can buy our merch and coffee 
at broodco.com. That's B-R-E-W-E-D-C-O.com. We've got real great coffee. It's actually pretty cheap for online coffee. Um, we've got some great blends like 1776 and Tyrant's Tears. Tyrant's Tears <laughs> is a blonde blend that is a little fruity and slightly salty. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, if you just want to give me money because you're like, oh, this guy's cool. I want to give him money. You can go to donate.broodco.com. Um, and then, you know, we also got a Facebook. I got my first Facebook strike today, which is weird. Oh, <laughs> man. Those, come on. Those are rookie numbers. Dude. You gotta, you I gotta know, those right? I got my come first on. one today. They're like, COVID disinformation. I was like, I posted a picture not wearing a mask and told everybody else to take it off. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so you can go to Brood is the Facebook page and then Brood Lex Twitter. And then we do a podcast three days a week called Fresh Brood Kentucky Politics. Which man, is- you got a podcast too. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We do. Okay. I mean, you know, I just... I think we do like 4,000 plays. It's not a lot. You said Kentucky it's a local brood podcast, a fresh brewed Kentucky oh, politics, fresh brewed Kentucky politics. Okay. Yeah. I'm just making my notes here to make sure everything goes down in the show notes. So I highly recommend everyone who is listening, go check out all those things. Well, um, Andrew, we're going to get off here. I just cannot thank you enough for not only taking the time tonight, but for all of the, pain and suffering that you have been going through. I know that you would have rather that not happen. So I'm not going to thank you for making the sacrifice or anything like that. But I will say we do appreciate all the hard work that you've been putting in. Well, yeah. And stay tuned, right? We're not done yet. (laughs) We keep, uh, you know, we going back to the American dream, you know, we talk about handing things off to our kids and everything else. We've been given an opportunity to hand off a freer and better world to my, to my son and, to everyone's kid and uh, you know we're doing everything we can to take advantage of that that's awesome man that's that's why we do it too so thanks a lot man you you have a great rest of your night thanks you too take care